Welcome to the Nighttime Show. I am your host, Stephen Kramer Glickman. Here with me always is Matt Walker, the son of a bitch of sons of bitches. And we are uh, here recording our show at Genghis Cohen in the heart of Hollywood. Our guest today, you may know him uh, from the film Bachelor Party or House Party or the TV show Curb Your Enthusiasm or lots of other amazing things. He was on Friends, but this guy performed on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And, uh, and this guy is an incredible, incredible stand-up comedian. We are, uh, I'm a huge fan, been a fan for a very long time. Ladies and gentlemen, Barry Diamond is here. Thank yeah. You Thank you. Oh, let me applaud for me also. Yes, please <laughs> Thank do. Thank you so much, Stephen. It is such a testament to your good taste to have brought me down here <laughs> to Genghis Cohen. Where the egg rolls... Where the egg rolls roll. <laughs> where, the egg where the egg rolls really roll. <laughs> they really roll here. It's great. I it was uh I got to I got to meet you the other day for the first time just just recently at uh the improv. We I ran po- into each I other. I popped into the improv and Oh yeah. You got up on stage, and I was like, oh, my God, that's fucking Barry Diamond. You're like, oh, my God, that's Pat Buckles. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm going to have a small heart attack. I can't believe it's happening. (laughs) I can't believe it's happening. Oh, my God, Mr. Glickman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very happy to be here, and especially looking forward to cashing in my podcast check when this show is over. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure. And it's going to be a big check. It's I'm looking forward to the, the big numbers, which I always enjoy seeing and for the benefit of my family, <laughs> who I support in North Korea. <laughs> there will be a lot of zeros before the decimal point. Right. That, that is true. Yeah, that just is on the true. left end of the number. Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's, it's the thought that counts. <laughs> <laughs> it's, really, it's, it's never been about the money for me. It's always been about the thought and the sentiment of the little people who I had to crush <laughs> to get to where I am today here at the Genghis Cohen show. I used to I used to live here in Hollywood. Did you really? When I was when I was a young man, I lived here in Hollywood. I tore up a lot of pudding in this town, man. <laughs> when I was a young man, where 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 did you live exactly? I live in the Hollywood State Penitentiary. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Hollywood for a long time. I came out here in, in uh, 19, 19, 1908. Oh, my God. 1908, I came out here. I was 35 wow. years old. Oh, my God. I came out here. We didn't have airplanes, of course, back then. We came out, came out on a stagecoach. Sure, of course. I, le- I, left, I left New York in uh, 1903. Mm-hmm. Right. It took me five years to get out here. Oh did, did you get stuck in Donner Pass? Did you have to eat some people? No, no, no. Fortunately, we missed the Donner Pass. We had very, very good weather. But there were Indian <laughs> attacks. Oh, sure. There were Indian attacks all across the country. I, I believe the correct term is Native Indians. Did I say Indian attacks? Because that is not what I meant. I meant native. indigenous people, Stephen. The indigenous native, the natives. Natives. Yeah. You got they, attacked by they, natives. They captured our school marm on oh, one oh, of the stagecoaches. Oh, no. But we picked up another one in El Paso. That, that's for the best. Because they're all over the place. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, you can just, they grow on trees out there. Then we came out, came out here in 1908 to West Hollywood. Which was still at that time a thriving gay community. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's way ahead of its time that neighborhood. I I don't know. You still do see a lot of people dressed like it's 1908 because they're like cowboys walking well, around. Well, yeah, yeah it's overalls, tri- giant floppy hats. Yeah, like they're chaps, about to go gold mining. Chaps with the tushy cut out. Fucking hipsters. Yeah, those town. big like yep. 1850s beards they all have oh, now. Yeah, they I, all l- got them I love it. I love it. 
I'm sure. No, I came out here in 1978, September, mm-hmm. s- September 11th, 1978. I came out here. Wow. Uh, wow. I had a, a development deal with uh, Norman Lear's production company. Norman Lear saw me at the Improv in New York. Oh, my God. And gave me a development deal uh, for $50,000 to develop a show for me. Wow. For CBS. And this is back in 1978. That's like 10 times the money they give people for those deals now. Yeah. Actually, 50 was uh, 1978. They, they were giving out uh, uh, development deals to comedians back then like candy mm-hmm. because uh, yeah. R- R- Robin Williams started a phenomenon uh, with uh, with Mork and Mindy that, that uh, they just started looking for stand-up comedians to uh, uh, star in, 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 in situation comedies. Mm-hmm. And Norman Lear saw me in New York f- and flew me out to L.A. and gave me a $50,000 development deal. And I did virtually nothing <laughs> for six months and I've been trying to find that same work <laughs> ever since. Yeah. It's not easy to find. Holy crap. And yeah. Alan Thicke was commissioned. Alan Thicke, may he rest in peace, Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, was commissioned to write me a show for CBS called Singles Complex. Uh, I don't think he had his heart in it, actually. God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, but CBS never picked it up. And then I, I did movies and television and the Tonight Show and uh, yeah I mean you so how long had you been doing comedy before you got that deal I've been doing comedy since 1911 <laughs> wow I came out in 1908 <laughs> I worked yeah. as uh, I worked on the railroad mm-hmm. with uh, Chinese people sure I recognized some of them from this restaurant absolutely <laughs> well you know it's understandable uh, and then three years later I said this is backbreaking crazy work mm-hmm. for. You know, uh, a Jew from New York. Of course. So I said, uh, comedy. You're, you're in the that's, sun that's, all day. That's what I said. I started out with Max Sennett mm-hmm. and the Keystone <laughs> Cops and, and, and Fatty Arbuckle. <laughs> yeah. That's who Glickman's model is career. But the important oh. thing is that when I was a child, uh, I made a pact with the devil for eternal life and, oh. and, and youth in exchange for my immortal soul. So he gave you the life. How do you get? And, yeah. And, how do you get and, that gig? Uh, in exchange for my immortal soul and some some cash. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Where? When did did you start doing stand up in New York City? Yes. Yeah. I started the the first time I ever did stand up comedy. The first time I ever got got on stage was in college. Yeah. Uh, I went to college down. I, I I grew up in New York in the Bronx. And uh, I went to college at a small school in Alabama called Troy State University. Oh, yeah. Which is now Troy University. Wow. Uh, But when I went there, it was called Troy State University. The reason I went there is because my grades out of high school were so high that most of the major universities in this country were actually intimidated <laughs> to accept me. <laughs> they said, this, this guy can't possibly this be this brilliant. So I wound up at a small suitcase college in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. No, actually, my grades were terrible. They were, yeah. they were yeah. really bad. <laughs> I, I can't believe I got out of high school. What, what did you... What did you... I, I majored in... In high school, I majored in fucking around. <laughs> what, what did now, you... My, uh, my favorite thing, by the way, about Troy, Troy State University is that yeah. they have a mascot there, and the name of the mascot is T-Roy. Which is a real thing. What? Yeah, there's there's a mascot for Troy that is T Roy. Oh, that's really weird. Yeah. When I when I went to school there, 
uh, they're called the Trojans yeah. now, which makes sense. It's Troy. They should be called yeah. the Trojans. Right. When I went to school there, they were called the Red Wave because okay. the uh, University of Alabama was called the Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. So uh, Troy State, uh, the president of the university, coincidentally happened to have been roommates with George Wallace in college. <laughs> <laughs> so oh he was God. he was totally in, enamored yeah. in, in rapture with the University of Alabama uh, Crimson Tide. Yeah. So he uh, designated the uh, the theme of, of Troy State to be the red wave. <laughs> wow. And we're talking about the segregationist politician, George Wallace, not the legendary comedian, George Wallace. Because yeah, those are two very different things. Different comic. Different <laughs> he actually, person. he handed yeah. me my diploma. George Wallace. Oh, wow. And he was in a wheelchair after he had gotten shot because mm-hmm. uh, his, his daughter graduated from Troy uh, in my same class. But George Wallace was roommates with Ralph Adams, who was the president of my university. Mm-hmm. Ralph Adams was as big an imbecile. <laughs> was a guy who just you know wandered into the presidency of a small university because he was friends with George Wallace. So anyway, I, I, I went to school there, and uh, I was always very funny, and, and everybody, you know, knew I, how funny I was and somebody suggested that the next time we have a concert at college yeah uh that maybe I'd get up and I'd do some stand-up comedy wow which, which I thought was was not a bad idea until yeah. I actually did it <laughs> anyway the first that the next concert to come to my college was the Allman Brothers Band oh yeah oh my god and this is uh this was February 8th 1971 so that's and peak Allman right there. That's what Allman Brothers were arguably maybe the hottest band in the yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were just coming off the Fillmore East and and uh, just just an explosively incredible band. It's a huge band. Yeah, well, they always have been, but that was when they really broke. Anyway, they they had an off night gig at my school, and uh, I, I wrote. I wrote some material that I thought would be funny. Uh, I wrote this this parody of uh, um, uh, what was that movie with uh, Dustin Hoffman and uh, The Graduate, Midnight Cowboy. Oh, Midnight, Midnight Cowboy. Cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. I did a parody about uh, what, what uh, the characters that that Joe Buck would really meet mm-hmm. if he came to New York. So anyway, the day of the concert, I went over to the student government. I said, I said I wanted to do a, a stand-up comedy routine. With, uh, when the Allman Brothers take a break tonight during the show. And th- th- I said, is that okay? And they said, well, it's, it's not up to us. It's up to the Allman Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, where are they? He, says, he's, and he said, well, they're in the gym setting up. And they were. They I were went setting over, up their own stuff? Yeah. That's crazy. Says, well, them and, and, and their roadies. And their roadies were setting up their own stuff. So I go, <laughs> I go over to the gym, and I go over to Dwayne Allman, and I said, uh, I said, Dwayne, I said, my name is Barry Diamond. Uh, I'm a comedian from uh, from New York. And I, I go and to that, school. And that song played. <laughs> I said, I'm a comedian from New York, and I, I, I go to school here. And uh, I, I'm, I was wondering if it's okay if, if I did a set when you guys take a break. And he looked at me, and he said, well, we don't take a break. And I looked at him, and I said, I swear to God, I said, well, would you? Holy shit! And he he looks at me, and he turns around, <laughs> and he looks at the other guys setting up, and he goes, uh, he goes, this kid goes to school here. He, he's a comedian. 
He says he wants to know if, if he could do a set if we take a break. He said, he says, you guys, you guys want to take a break? And they all kind of looked at each other <laughs> and they said, they said, yeah, okay. <laughs> I swear to God. Oh my God. And yes. that's how the intermission came to be. I swear to God. Oh that's, my that's God. What that, that was the first intermission in no, history. No, this, this is not over yet. <laughs> so, oh no. So I leave the gym. I go back to my dorm room and uh, I'm getting ready for the show for that night. Now that the, the school population was about 3,000. And there had to be a, there had to be at least five or six thousand in the gym, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> for the show that night. And my only reference as far as what to wear, as far as a stand-up comedian, was that you get dressed up, you put on a suit and tie, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and this is 1971, the, the height of hippies, and everybody is in in, in jeans and tie-dyed shirts and dropping acid and 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 drinking Boone's Farm wine and smoking pot. And uh, uh, and I'm I, I show up in a suit and tie, and I go backstage, and the almond <laughs> bread. It's in the middle of it's in the middle of the show, and the the heat of uh, the heat in the gym was over. You thought you were in a, like a sauna. Yeah, it was so hot in there, and uh, I go backstage, and the stage manager says, "Can I help you?" And I said, "Yes, I'm going to go on, and I'm going to do uh, a stand up set," and he, and he goes, "Here." And I said, I said, yeah, I said, yeah. He says, you're going out there. I said, yeah, I spoke to the Allman Brothers earlier. They said I could do a set when they take a break. So they're in the middle of a 16 minute tied to a whipping post frenzy. <laughs> the audience is, 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 is in rapture. And then at the end of the song, uh, <laughs> at the end of the song, that, uh, the house lights come up and the band walks off. And uh, the the stage manager introduces, uh, please welcome uh, comedian uh, from uh, from New York. Please welcome Barry Diamond. I walk out, and the audience is literally in shock. They can't believe <laughs> oh they can't believe this is happening. They can't they can't believe that in the middle of this amazing concert. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! There's a guy on stage in a suit and tie <laughs> oh, who's doing so great. who's doing jokes, goofing on the South. We're, we're in Alabama. <laughs> oh my God! And, and I did this one routine about picking up a a, a date, uh, a, a date at her house to go out, and 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 everybody's reading uh, cartoons out of the newspaper, and they're just a bunch of goobers. <laughs> and uh, I was on stage. I don't know for maybe. It could have been five minutes, eight minutes, uh, and 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 just shortly after I got there and I started whatever I was doing, <laughs> uh, they started screaming at me. They started screaming, "Get off! You suck! <laughs> this, this is bullshit! Just get the fuck off! Somebody get him off! Some, somebody's yelling! Somebody shoot me! Somebody fucking shoot me! Who the who is this guy?" And they're throwing they're throwing Boone's Farm bottles. They're throwing Boone's, and there's six thousand people out there. I'm not shitting you. Six thousand, and uh, all of a sudden, the uh, the uh, the student advisor, uh, student faculty advisor, comes up on stage. Uh, he's a, he was a fifty something year old preacher. His name was Marvin Vickers. I'll never forget it. Marvin Vickers. He comes up. He puts his arm around me. 
and uh, he says, he says, I think you've had enough, son. <laughs> he, said, he said, I think you've had enough, son. And I look out at the audience. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, well, I guess I'll come back when we have a more mature audience. Oh, <laughs> great! And the Allman Brothers walk out, and I'm walking off. And Greg Allman grabs the microphone. <laughs> he points toward me, and he says, "Ladies and gentlemen, a true citizen." I don't know what that meant. I don't know what that meant. I don't know what he meant by it. Uh, but all I know is I walked out of the back door of the gym. I walked back to my dorm. And I didn't go to class <laughs> for about two weeks. I didn't leave the dorm room. Oh my god! Because it was it was so it was so <laughs> humiliating, so brutal. And then and then when I then when I did go back to classes, I'd walk in the class. I go, did anybody see the Allman Brothers concert? Did anybody see the Allman Brothers? And I was I was apologizing. Was, oh my! How god. did you not just like pack up and just leave back to New York like the very next day? Uh, I I. Uh, I it was it was it was it was good preparation for me for for wow. doing stand up I mean there, comedy. there's nowhere to go but up from there but, Yeah I guess. exactly exactly I mean when you go but out such an the epic. first the first time you ever attempt to do stand up comedy to do it in front of 6000 people in the middle of of arguably the hottest rock and roll band yeah. in the country <laughs> cuz like the level of difficulty i mean george carlin could have gone out there and they'd have people yelling at him just because Absolutely. of the situation let me tell you jesus christ could have walked out there and been funny as hell and they would have they would have they would have castrated him yeah well sam kinison once had a uh, ralphie may do you ever you ever hear that story where he had ralphie may open for him mm-hmm. and he's, he used to uh, open for me kinison or ralphie Actually, both of them. Mm-hmm. Both oh of them used to open for me, Ralphie and and yeah. and Sam. Oh my God! Yeah, Sam said to Ralphie, uh, "Now you go out there." Now they're both and dead. Said, yeah, yes. they're both dead. <laughs> and he said, "You go out there and you 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 say you call them you know motherfuckers and you tell them this and you say this and you say that and gave him a bunch of things to say." And then Ralphie May went out on stage and said all those things and got booed and people were throwing things at him. Uh-huh. And then Sam came running onto the stage with a mic, going, "Who the fuck does this guy think he is talking like this and this son of a bitch?" And like said. Set him up to yeah, fail yeah. so that he would like crush and then, you know, afterwards, you know, apologize to Ralphie for doing it to him. But it was like a thing that, that you know, <laughs> I think having an epic fail like that, having like a show where you perform and it it could not possibly go worse is just... It's such we've an... All en- no, we've all had them, but there's yeah. such e- enormous, you know, life building blocks yeah. to like what we do as as comedians what we and what we try to accomplish and shit like, I, th- I think I, I've just about, it's such a ballsy thing for you to do too I, I, I mean I've done so many tens of thousands of shows all over the world uh, you know some of them really just stand out as being uh, very very unique I did a show once in Australia in Perth <laughs> in Perth Australia I swear to God that's the Alabama of Australia well, basically I, Alabama should look so good. <laughs> but uh, I did a show to no people. No, nobody. Mm-hmm. I, nobody? I, n- nobody. I, I, was, uh, I, was, I was on tour and I was in Sydney. And uh, some friends of mine said, uh, he said they said, you want to go out to Perth and do some, some gigs? There's a guy who's got some gigs out in Perth. And if you want to go out there, he's looking for somebody. And 
I'd never been to Perth, and I figured, yeah. you know, what the hell? And somebody's going to pay for it. If you're in city, it. that's like going from L.A. to Miami. Well, like L.A. It's like New York to L.A. Yeah, Perth, yeah. Perth is on the other side of the, on the on the Indian Ocean. So I figured, you know, uh, yeah, it was the guy. I called the guy. He said it's five shows. It's six hundred dollars a show. So you'll you'll make three grand for the mm-hmm. week, and uh, he says you could stay at my house, and you just got to pay your airfare. So I said okay, it sounds good. So I fly out to Perth, and I have this this kid pick me up. This about seventeen year old kid, who wanted to be a stand up comedian really bad, and the kid kid was really just out of his mind nuts. I go back to his house. He's got like a cot set up literally a cot <laughs> like a medical cot <laughs> set up <laughs> sleep on his what? kitchen i said hey man i can't do this i said look i'll stay here tonight because it's like 11 o'clock at night already he picked me up at the airport he said, but tomorrow i'm going to a hotel so he says okay so the next day i go to a hotel on the beach it was fabulous and we do a couple of dates and at some pubs and everything's going well one night <coughs> we uh we take a taxi to a pub, and we're talking to the cab driver, and they tell him I'm about to do a show at this comedy club, at this pub, and uh, he goes, oh, yeah, I, I love comedy, mate. He says, can I come in and watch the show? And I said, yeah, sure, come on in, man. You know, park the car and come on in. Yeah. So he, he parks the car, and we go into the club, and I'm at the bar having a drink, and uh, I take a look up at the stage, and the cab driver's up on stage doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> what? I swear to God. Oh my God. Had, I don't know. They had like an open mic or something. And the, the cab driver gets up and now he's doing stand up comedy. So uh, uh, the next night we go to a restaurant where I'm supposed to do a show at 8 o'clock. And we pull into the parking lot and it's empty. The parking lot is empty. And I said, This does not look good. I said, I'm supposed to do a show here. So there's a sign in the restaurant window that says they're doing a comedy show at this time. I walk in. There's nobody in the restaurant. And it's 8 o'clock. <laughs> and I uh, walk in, and there's nobody there except the woman who owns the restaurant is sitting at a table doing some paperwork or something. And I walk over to her with this jerk, idiot guy who <laughs> brought me out there. Uh, and uh, I, said, uh, I said, I'm Barry Diamond. I'm supposed to be doing a comedy show here at 8 o'clock. Uh and uh, there's 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 n- nobody here, so so where is everybody? She says, well, I, I guess I guess they're not common. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, okay, they're not common. I'm here. I'm supposed to get six hundred bucks for being here. Yeah. You know, yeah. if there's a show or not a show, I'm here. You know, th- theoretically, I came you know thousands of miles from Los Angeles yeah. to do this show. Right. So sh- I said, well, there's nobody here. I guess you know we're not going to do a show. So I guess you know you might want to just you know pay me for being here and i guess mm-hmm. just just write it off i guess and she goes well i'm not paying you to not do a show <laughs> and i said well i said well there's 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 nobody here and she goes well i i see there's nobody here but i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pay you to, to not to not do anything <laughs> and i said well do you really want me to go up and, if i go up and do a show i said you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're going to pay me my six hundred dollars? She says, "Well, I'm not going to give it to you for nothing." <laughs> and I said, "Listen, I said, you know, why don't you just save me the embarrassment? It could, 
and the humiliation because if that's the only way that you're going to pay me, I'm going to go up and I'm going to do my show. <laughs> you know, even though there's nobody yeah. here to get to get the money that I'm supposed to get. She says, well, then go up and do your show. <laughs> oh, shit. So I said to the guy who brought me out there, I said, I said, hey, prick. I said, get up and introduce me. <laughs> I says, go up on stage yeah. and introduce me. Amazing. And he man. says, he says, he says, introduce you. He says, there's nobody here. <laughs> and I said, I know that. I just had this conversation with this woman that there's nobody here. I says, go up and give me a, if I'm going to go up and do a set, says, you give me a proper introduction. Yeah. So he goes, all right. He goes up on stage and he does 20 minutes. He does 20 minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy is more out of his mind than I am. I, and wow. and, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I just can't believe what's going on. And, and, and uh, I yelled up at him and I said, I said, I said, hey, bring me, bring me up, man. What are you doing? <laughs> So he goes, oh, yeah, mate. So I forgot about you. <laughs> so he introduces me. I go up on stage. There's nobody there. She isn't even there. She's in the kitchen now. Oh, every, every, so t- every 10 minutes, I would see the door swing open. She'd <laughs> pop her head out to make sure that I'm still, still on the clock. <laughs> so I was up there. Did you do an hour? Or? I, did, I did 40 minutes. 40. Wow. I did 40 minutes, and I'm, I'm talking to people. Like there's like there's people in the crowd. I'm asking who's <laughs> got who's got birthdays. Oh I said, my! I said, any anybody God. here? Anybody here from out of town? <laughs> and I'm too, anybody who would have walked in there would have just thrown a net over me. Yeah, I did about forty minutes, and I got. I'll tell you something. It was one of the greatest shows that I ever had. <laughs> and I discovered from that show that when people actually show up for the show, yeah. that it fucks up my show. <laughs> <laughs> but I swear to God, she, she, she made me, she made me, and then I, I if, she, oh, would, if she wouldn't have paid me, I swear to God, I would have burned down that fucking restaurant. <laughs> oh my God, that is yeah. so amazing. Oh my god! Yeah, I loved working in Australia. That's mm-hmm. hilarious. So, did you stay out there and do the rest of the shows? Or yeah, I've been out there a number of times. Uh, I've been I've been all over Australia. That's we just it. we just had a I just had a show that I had booked where I it was so it, it was it, like the first time it, this has ever happened to me where I booked a show. I booked great comics on the show here in town mm-hmm. at a great venue. It was not a comedy club. It was like a, a just a bar. But it's a bar that, that I've seen packed out. I, I I advertised a little bit. I pushed, you know, on the internet and did the things. And uh, I got there and I was sitting and it was getting later and later. Mm-hmm. And finally, 8 o'clock, it's time for the show. And there's just the bartender is there. <laughs> and I and I said, I go, I got to can- cancel. Like, I, I didn't even realize, like, oh, my God, I have to start texting people and telling not to come. And so I am start writing people as quickly as I can. But then comics are, sh- like, two comics showed up and were like, what ha- what is happening right now? Was there a bomb scare? Like, there was no one in the bar and there was no one upstairs in this room. Well, you I were was- doing the show. There was a bomb scare. Oh, thanks. But I was I was just like, oh, this is this is so this is so brutal. Where was where was this place? It was uh, I don't want to I don't want to say because it it's a fine. It, it, I've I've been there for great shows. It's a fine dining restaurant. It's a fine dining <laughs> restaurant. But uh, I asked the bartender. I go, how does this happen? Has this happened before? She goes, 
oh, you mean shows getting canceled right at the last minute? I go, yeah. She goes, oh, yeah, all the time. And I was like, mm-hmm. great, great. Yeah, that would have been good to know before I had to like embarrass myself and invite a bunch of people and then have to like cancel it. So then I'm, I moved the show over to the Laugh Factory. And so now I'm doing it at a mm-hmm. comedy club. Because at a, at a comedy club, there's at least people, people go to a comedy club whether there's, who no matter who's at the right, club. Right. In town, like people just go to clubs. But at bars, like putting on a stand-up comedy show at a bar is fucking tricky. Like that is, that takes a ton of work. It's because people aren't normally just going to be there. I don't know, Matt. Matt's done shows and... Matt does shows at bars and people fucking come out. I don't know how you do things. Matt. You yeah. How do you do things, Matt? Matt how do you do things? <laughs> how, do, Matt? how do you do the things you do, Matt? How do you do the things? You what, just have to, to know degenerates that like to go to dive your bars. Your magnificence. Yeah. yeah tell said, us about your magnificence. Just get Matt. to know degenerates who want to go to dive bars, and then they'll come to your dive bar show eh, because they just want to go drink. That's a good. And book. then you you throw comedy at them while they're drinking, which is their primary purpose for being there. Okay. You. You know, you you subject them to a comedy show while they're there to drink. But yeah. they used to do a comedy show in Venice, the place where they have the turtle races. Mm-hmm. What's it? What was the it's name? Not, of uh, I know the place you're talking about. It's not Larry's. It's uh, it's not there. It's, it's not there anymore. But yeah, they, they used to have turtle races there. Oh yeah, for, yeah. for years. There's a place called the Venice Underground mm-hmm. that yeah, I've it's done on, shows at on Wednesday oh. night. Yeah. Have you done that show? You yeah. need to go do that show. That show's fantastic. Yeah, it is. They they bring in a great crowd. Yeah, and it's in a basement. And you're like, and then you go and it's packed. I love I love when people yeah, do that, stuff that, like that. Yeah. that That's that, Bronston Jones' that, show. Yeah, mm-hmm. that building's over a hundred years old. Oh my god. They used to bootleg whiskey that had tunnels because it's right on the right on the boardwalk. Yeah. They used to they had underground tunnels that went out to the to the water that they would uh, bootleg whiskey and and uh, tunnel it out mm-hmm. under the beach to boats out on on on, <laughs> on the water and ship it someplace else. There's there's a lot of uh, or fake ship, ship it in out of the shipping yeah. it in or shipping it out. Of there's a lot of fake uh, bootleg places these days. Uh, fake speakeasies. Face fake speakeasies. That's a hipster thing now. Oh, yeah. that's such a huge hipster. They're like, thing. oh, come to this bar, and then like you go there, and it's like it looks like a laundromat, and then you got to like punch in a code on this one machine, and then like the laundry door opens, and then you can go inside, and there's it's a bookcase hipsters. that then like, slides aside. Already. And there's a just bar. go it's to like, a bar. Yeah. You mean are these after hours places? No, they're just regular places. They're just all like, over Hollywood. They're just like this will be cool. No, the people think it's terrific. Oh, you go into a garage, and then there's a there's a refrigerator. You open the refrigerator. It's the door into the bar. Uh-huh. Enough already. <laughs> just let me into the bar. <laughs> I just want a drink. So these are private residences? <laughs> they're, no, no, they're, it's their businesses. They're, they're, fake, just, yeah. they're fake speakeasies. Yeah. Uh-huh. There is one in Hollywood. I'm not kidding you. You go into a hotel room. It looks like a hotel room. You walk in. There's a beautiful woman sitting on a bed in a hotel room. And she goes, are you here for a sexy time? And you go, Yes, and she goes, good. She presses a button. The bed moves into the wall, <laughs> and you go down a stairway into oh, a bar no. where you buy a, a martini for 46 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it is a fucking... Yeah. It's the opposite of what the whole point of a bar is in the first place. Uh-huh. Like, you go to a bar to get a woman in a room. You don't go to a room <laughs> with a woman to go yeah. to a bar. That doesn't... It doesn't make any sense. Uh, you you uh, were on a, a, a lot of television shows and in a lot of movies, and you have been... You are currently... You 
you've currently been in a lot of uh, shows and a lot of movies, but there is uh, a couple that I, I want to bring up because there are show there are TV shows that are a huge part of my childhood that are like embedded into my brain that I don't know anything about, like what it was like to do a show like this. Mm-hmm. Different Strokes, oh, you were yeah. on that show. Yeah, you got it. You got to tell me about what it was like doing that show. Well, I didn't molest any of the kids. I just want to <laughs> oh, make that clear. Oh, good. I didn't, I didn't touch. That was the, uh, it. Was Gordon Jump that molested Dudley? Oh yeah. God! Yeah. You remember the character name? No, that's the actor. He was then the Maytag repairman, and he was also the boss on WKRP in Cincinnati. Wait, that's oh, Gordon Jump. Oh, dear God, man. is everybody dead from that show? <laughs> everybody, pretty much. Yeah, because Charlotte Everyone. Ray just died. So Conrad Bain's been dead for a long time. Yeah, Conrad Bain. I mean, what uh, about, what's um, his face? Willis is, is Todd still alive. Bridges Todd Bridges is alive. Todd Bridges. Todd Bridges outlived everybody. <laughs> yeah. Todd Bridges, the only one that had a drug problem. Right. 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 No, he wasn't the only one. With the no, drug they problem. all had. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're looking at Dana Plato's photo right there. Yeah. Oh, Jane, yeah. yeah. Mary Jo. She's still alive. But Mary what's jo? his name? The f- uh, Conrad Bain didn't have a drug problem, did no. he? No. No. Yeah, Dixie Carter. He was great on Mod, Conrad Bain. Oh my god. Yeah. So tell me tell me about uh, taping taping an episode of that show. Did you when like who did you I played I played play? I played their tutor. Mm-hmm. My name was Danny. This was when I first came out to LA. This had to be 1978 or the beginning of 79. Yeah. 79. And 79. that was shot out here in LA? Yeah. Uh, it was a it was a tandem show. It was a Norman Lear show, mm-hmm. and Norman Lear flew me out. So naturally, he wanted to put me in some of his uh, uh, shows that he already had on the air. To was that the same? Was that the same deal with Bosom Buddies? Was he? A, was that a Norman? No, Lear no, show no, too? no. That was yeah. Chris Thompson. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, so he was like trying to build some Barry Diamond buzz. To get right, like right, you, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Right, because yeah, he did that a lot. Because a lot of his shows were either spinoffs from one another, or yes. they were just the same actors you'd seen yeah, and well, everything else. Rob, well, Robin spun off of uh, of Happy Days. Yeah, right. Uh, when he played Mork, Mork from Mork on Happy Days. Yeah, and uh, the first time I met Robin was just before uh, Mork aired. Mm-hmm. I met Robin in August of '78, just before I came out here. And uh, I was at the Improv in New York, and I was hosting the show. And uh, Elaine Boozler came in with Robin Williams, and uh, they were dating at the time, apparently. And Elaine said uh, to put Robin on next, because he's got a show coming out next month on ABC. So none of none of us, the comics, had ever seen Robin before. And I, I was standing there with, with Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other comics, and this guy comes into New York from L.A., and Elaine told, said to put him on, so I put him on next, and we're st- all standing in the back watching Robin for the first time ever mm-hmm. uh, in August of 78, and it was amazing. It was amazing. As I, I remember standing, standing in the back of the room, and Larry David says to me, he says, uh, he's not using the mic. <laughs> Because uh, he he didn't he, yeah. he and it was a small room the improv in New York, and he, he just got up on stage and then just flew off the stage and he's going around the room doing soliloquies from Hamlet mm-hmm. and and just improvising and just doing just going nuts and we'd never seen anybody do this in a stand up comedy routine never saw anybody do anything like this wow and we're all standing back there and watching this guy. And uh, and and I I had signed my deal to come out to L.A. next month, and I had never been out to L.A. 
and I, I I said to I said to Larry David I said man I said if everybody in L.A. is is anything near as good as this guy I says maybe I should <laughs> I should stay here and he was amazing man uh, there's never been anybody like him yeah. before or since the only one that was ever anything like him was Jonathan Winters mm-hmm. who was uh, Robin idolized Jonathan so did I he was my inspiration. Uh, if you don't know who Jonathan Winters is and you're listening, yeah, you should YouTube him. Yeah, because prior to Robin, uh, there had co- never really been a comedian like Jonathan who who was doing voices. Nobody who was doing it's improv. not the voices. The, is the He's to doing- go out on to go out on national television and not have a, a just wing it a solid yeah. five six seven minutes that you know that you're going to do. And to just improvise, it was no other comedian would even think of doing such a thing. Yeah, I it mean, was, today, yeah. you wouldn't be allowed to do that thing because they're going to be like, right. we want to know every syllable you're right. going to say before you go on television, Absolutely. and we're going to run through our legal department. Absolutely. There's yeah. things that you used to be able to do on TV that you could not do today. You couldn't do All in the Family today. Oh, definitely not. No. You couldn't do Mod today. I, I watch that show because it's on right. rerun still, and right. it's like, they did a whole episode about B. Arthur having an abortion. And it's like, they would never do that on a sitcom. No. Yeah. No, that was a, yeah, they, it, it definitely, it's definitely, I feel like it's, uh, television's definitely kind of changed for the worse in a lot of ways. Like, we, we were able to get away with so much more stuff. When I was a kid, there was so much stuff that, that was incredible on TV. Like, I mean, there are when people say "All in the Family" could never get made today. Uh, like, like to people who are listening to the show, like we're talking about like the entire show, like None every episode. Like, yeah. go if you if you can go back and watch selected episodes. They did crazy stuff on that show. To me, it was, to me, it was absolutely, arguably the greatest sitcom of all mm-hmm. time because what 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 I thought was extraordinary about all in the families and in, in the same episode in the same 30 minute episode you can have they can have you laughing hysterically and 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 just crying openly weeping yeah. if you could if in 30 minutes in 23 minutes less commercials if you can get a television audience to go through that range of emotions <sighs> Uh, there's no other show that I know of ever in in the history of television comedy where, where you can go through that range of of pathos and uh, and sadness to uh, joy and exuberance in, in 23 minutes. And in that show, mm-hmm. sometimes they, they they hit it, and it was it was just amazing. I feel like other show, other that show, shows that have been credited to be kind of similar to like being to pushing boundaries, kind of get. Maybe they'll have an episode and one, two episodes, maybe that are groundbreaking episodes. But then, e- either they'll get corrupted over time, or you know they'll get the the lead the lead will get super power hungry and and fuck it all up or hire their their husband. Well, to to write on the to show, do something like this consistently week after week to to put out a show like this consistently is extraordinary. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost mirac- yeah. almost miraculous. And that show yeah. got knocked off in so many ways. In fact, <laughs> I was I watch weird TV channels that have old shows on them all the time. I watched a cartoon the other day that apparently they only made 
eight episodes of, and it was a cartoon bear family that was based on All in the Family. So the guy playing the dad bear was doing a Carol O'Connor impression, and the person playing the mom is Rick D's wife. Oh my god! Is is back before she was married to Rick D's, I guess. And this is like from like 1975, I want to say. Yeah. And like they just did weird stuff where they're like, "Oh, this is popular. Let's make our own version of it, but we'll make them cartoon bears. Like that's going to capture well, the magic." Totally, totally. Side note, but just to mention this: this morning I was watching uh, a bunch of Patty Coke Junction, a bunch of mm-hmm. these shows. And uh, and then left the room, and I was sitting in the other room editing at the computer, and you know, cutting trailer stuff. And while I'm sitting, leaving in the other your room, dog to watch the show, the, yeah, just letting the dogs watch TV. And I heard in the other room uh, this this voice, and it was this elderly woman's voice, and it was like, "Oh dear, this is the craziest thing I ever done seen in my whole life." It was like a voice like that, and I was mm-hmm. like, I was like. This is. I was like, did the dog switch the channel to what's it called? To like, you know, like, uh, like Bugs Bunny or something like this. Mm-hmm. And I, I was convinced that they were watching cartoons in the other room. And I walked back in, and it was uh, Stagecoach, the show mm-hmm. Stagecoach. And I was like, oh no, so. That's what they're making fun that's of. That's what they're yeah. vo- like that's what they were making fun of on, you know, yes. on those shows. <laughs> but but like when you haven't heard it in so long and you're just listening to it from the other room, you're like, oh, like the granny, the granny, the voice of granny mm-hmm. from um the, the Beverly Hillbillies? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, from um uh, the cat and the Tweety Bird oh, and Tweety and Sylvester. Yeah, that yeah. granny from that th- that from mm-hmm. that thing. That woman's voice was being ripped off from older episodes yeah. of you know of stuff, and you're just like, my god, it's but <laughs> it's bizarre. And there amazing. was weird. Like I think one of the weirdest things is there was a Paul Lind TV show where it was a sitcom where he played the father of a family with two teenage daughters <laughs> and no he's like an overprotective way. dad uh, and I've seen an episode of that and I'm like I'm like this is the gayest man in the history of right, gay men right. like in the seventies, we just pretended that didn't right, exist in some right. way. Barry, we have to move on. <laughs> um, I have to ask you about a bachelor party. Mm-hmm. Um, how? What was the leap like from doing uh, television shows and and doing a couple movies, but then making a leap into that was a you, big movie. That was a big movie. Uh, yeah, I guess it was. Was it a big? Was it a? Did it feel like a a big movie at the time? It turned out to be kind of like a cult a cult movie. Got it. Yeah. Um. But it was it was boy it was a lot of fun to make I'll tell you that yeah I think it was the first or second time I saw boobs on the movie really that, that might have been the one bachelor party one of the first times yeah it was either that or stewardess school oh. might have been number one I don't, I don't remember that was God. boy that was that was that was an awful lot of fun yeah. I I knew Tom Hanks from mm-hmm. from uh, bosom buddies yeah yeah because uh, I guess starred on an episode of bosom buddies and. Also, my best friend was the exec producer and creator of Bosom Buddies, uh, so I, I I I knew I knew Tom Hanks from that, and and originally, uh, it wasn't Tom Hanks; it was Paul Reiser that was cast. Really? Oh. Yeah, and uh, and they they fired Paul, and they hired Tom, and actually the the part that I I I had. Of Rudy was cast by a Hawaiian comedian named Andy Bumatai, and uh, they just they just redid the whole. They re- they started shooting and that they weren't happy with what they had, and they they recast some some of the the, the, the larger roles, and I was lucky to 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 have uh, 
gotten the one that I got. But That's it was it was a it was just a blast doing that. It was so much fun. Did do you feel like uh was there was there a, a movie or a job that you did that kind of set you up uh where where suddenly it was it's Barry Diamond from this was like was that one of them that kind of like kind of locked locked in as a life credit no but uh i mean uh it was an important credit yeah mm-hmm. uh maybe the most important credit that i've had that that's done me the most is maybe in seinfeld yeah yeah guest starring role on 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 seinfeld because that's pat buckles yeah yeah and that opened up a, a lot of uh, stand-up opportunities especially in the UK and and in Australia they were they were crazy nuts about Seinfeld in Australia and if yeah. you came out there to do some shows and you were, were on the show uh, you got all kinds of press mm-hmm. so now, Matt you know this you know the episode pretty well yeah you play sort of an annoying comedian yeah on that uh, now was that based on an actual person that they knew, like a lot of that show, sort of seems to be based around real people. Uh, what, there was a scene in the show where I share a cab with uh, Jerry across town. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. and I play this obnoxious comedian. I, I share a cab with him. We're going over to to, I guess, to Catch a Rising Star from sure. the Improv. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Catch a Rising Star was on the east side. The Improv was on the west side. And all the comics used to. Uh, do sets at both clubs and we would share cabs across town yeah. because they paid us in cab money. When nobody got paid, they, they, <laughs> they just give you cab money, like which cab is basically or... about seven bucks Yeah, sure. back then. So if you shared a cab with somebody, then you got to keep half of it. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> so uh, uh, it, it, in, the, in the cab, I asked Jerry w- when he's getting out of the cab if I could leave my raincoat at his house. Uh, which which was from a, a real life thing with me and Larry David. Um, Larry David <laughs> lived lived in my building in, in in Manhattan, a place called Manhattan Plaza, and directly across the hall from Larry, Kenny Kramer lived. So mm-hmm. that's where the relationship for for Seinfeld came from. Uh, that Larry David lived across the hall from this guy Kenny Kramer. Mm-hmm. So he juxtaposed Kramer for. In Seinfeld, and uh, and that's where the, the relationship came from. But I was living out in California uh, when Larry was still living in New York, and I asked him, <laughs> and my wife, my ex-wife, lived upstairs, <laughs> so I would come come visit New York, and I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to bring a, a coat with me from Los Angeles, <laughs> sure. so I asked Larry if I could leave my raincoat in his closet so that when I came back to New York from L.A., I would have a winter coat here because I didn't want to leave with my wife because my ex-wife because we weren't getting along too well. I so, love it. So that's where that's where the whole that's the, the whole thing came from at the end when Larry's getting out of the car. He says, can I leave, can I leave my raincoat at, at your house? This is, this, my closet is just full. If you could just give me some room to leave my raincoat. So that's where that that's that's where that came from. So much of it came from real life uh, experiences. Did you know them had. pretty well when you were sort of coming up the ranks? Yeah, we all started. We all started together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry, Larry, and I were very, very good friends. Uh, and uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Paul Reiser, 
Oh, God. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Gilbert, I've heard oh, this about Gilbert Gottfried. I love those guys. I have heard that for years he had patio furniture in his apartment because he was too cheap to buy regular furniture. He has a reputation for not <laughs> not being a particular spendthrift. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, Gilbert was he, he was really really unique. He was uh, he was so funny. He was just so nuts. He was just like this this crazy kid. You know, you know back when we started, he would take the the waitress's serving trays and he would he would he would make like big uh, um like a tower a, of them, like, like African lips. That oh. added, oh, like she was talking about yeah. like, 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 like some jungle, like some jungle person. And he would just say crazy, crazy stuff, man. He was—you never knew what what Gilbert was going to do. Wow, unreal! But, I but just—it was, uh, was such a great time, though, man. It was—it was such a great time because there were no, there was no comedy explosion. Right. It mm-hmm. was before the the the, yeah. the, the comedy explosion. Uh, th- I'm talking about 1975, 70, 75, 76. So at this point, did Bud already have an improv in Los Angeles, or w- did no. he just have the improv in in New York? No, he. Yeah. When I started, when I started at, at the improv, which I guess was about 1975 or six, uh, Bud was in the process of opening up a club in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he had been open in Los Angeles for about a year uh, when I first came out here in 78. I think he opened in like 77 on Melrose. What was he like back then? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I met him, I was in high school. Uh, it was 19, 1960, 68, I think. The improv had been open a, a few years, and I was going to high school with uh, uh, a classmate of mine was a guitar player and he's like a junior in high school or something and he was a guitar player and he said he says there's this club downtown called the improv he says it's amazing he says I go down there and I play guitar and I accompany this the singer this guy's a professional singer and I accompany him on the guitar and it's comedians and singers, one right after the other. Wow! And it's it's just this small club on on West Forty Fourth Street, and it's just great. He says he said uh, he said Bill Cosby comes in there, Richard Pryor comes in there, he said Robert Klein comes in there, David Brenner, uh, Rodney Dangerfield. He said he said it's it's amazing. So I went down there. I was sixteen years old. I went down there with my my older brother. Uh, and his fiance and my girlfriend, um, and I, I'll never forget sitting in the booth and and seeing Bud Friedman. He was like in a t-shirt and a goatee, and he um, he's running the show. And uh, I remember going into this going into the showroom, and I saw I saw Jimmy Walker. Uh, Jimmy Walker before before good times before good times mm-hmm. wow uh, he was just this crazy tall skinny wiry black kid from the Bronx uh, who was just nuts <laughs> and very 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 funny <coughs> and I saw um, I don't remember who I saw other other acts that never 
uh, Lenny Schultz. Uh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who nobody here would, would <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, but he had a he Lenny was was crazy. The comics used to love him. He used to do crazy stuff. He used to bring live animals on stage and. <laughs> He used to do the Catskill Mountains in the summer up mm-hmm. in upstate New York, and and he had a midnight show on a Sunday night that everybody would go to. All of the entertainers from all over the Catskills. For those of you who don't know what the Catskills were, there was it was a gigantic uh, entertainment vacation phenomenon in in New York that uh, rivaled probably Las Vegas back in the. 1950s and early 60s. It was like the Branson, Missouri of the East. Yeah, yeah, but well, uh, <laughs> what? Branson, Missouri, to me is like going to hell. <laughs> I, 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 well, I mean, you had you had. Guys. That's where Yakov owns a theater, there, man. Yakov, not, not anymore. He doesn't. Well, he did. he like, did own a theater. Yeah, he right? did. Yeah. He did own a theater there. I went there once. I went there once to do a, a cruise ship showcase in Branson. <laughs> And the shows are all in the they're like, let's get as far away from any possible cruise ships as you can go in America. Like, this yeah. is the most well, landlocked spot. Well, they had auditions there because the audiences yeah. there yeah. are the, cruise people. Uh, the lowest common denominator yeah. of, of <laughs> oh uh, entertained audiences you're going to find anywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could bring out some kids with American flags and... <laughs> And uh, and the, the audience will start weeping. Yeah, like they want the most bland entertainment possible. Yeah, but the <sighs> bland, non-threatening, yeah. non-political, non-racial. Uh, you know, tie a yellow ribbon, that kind of <laughs> stuff, and uh, just the the most non-threatening stuff. Or if it if it, they're still buying Andy Williams records there. Yeah, yeah. well, a- Andy Williams had a theater there for years. Yeah. Yeah, and all of the theaters, all of the shows are in the afternoon. Oh my God! There's get no, out of here. They're, they're not. They there's better, no. Like, there's no evening shows. The shows they got to get to the buffet. The shows are all all matinees, and it's just it's just <laughs> RVs and pickup trucks, <laughs> and uh, and far right. Uh, oh, so so it is hell. It's actually yeah. Hell. It's yeah. just yeah. just the farthest. <laughs> it's it's in the heart of the Bible Belt. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's in the heart of the Bible Belt. It's just like uh, born again Christians. So and, Jews are welcome, and the, yeah, <laughs> they're so very excited about uh, Jews. As long as you're not <laughs> identified as a yeah. Jew, yeah. right? As long as you don't look like a Jew. I remember when I did that show with Monty Hoffman, and he said, uh, "Whatever you do, don't tell them that you're a Jew." <laughs> we were up in uh, Orv- Orville. 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 I've done Orville. Yeah. He was like, don't tell him you're Jewish. Whatever you do, don't tell him <laughs> you're Jewish. Was that at the casino? At the casino. Yeah, yeah. That's the one where like you can hear the slot machines because they're right next to the stage. So like you're trying to tell yeah. jokes and it's like, ding, 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 Yeah. And the first, first, <laughs> because, I'm, because I'm such a yeah. defiant asshole, the first thing I, I did I'm Jewish. was say I'm Jewish. And I said something yeah. about being Jewish and a guy in the audience goes, you're a Jew? And I went, yeah. And he goes, <laughs> that you staying in this hotel? And I said, "Uh huh." And he goes, "What floor are you on?" And I said, "A different one." And he went, "Uh huh." I'll see you after the show. And I was like, yeah. "Great, <laughs> looking forward to it." And then I, uh, I quickly, I quickly like got the fuck off the stage. And Monty was like, "What the fuck is the matter with you? Why would you tell them that? I told you not to. This guy's gonna try to fucking kill yeah. you now." 
Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> Where's yeah. that in Northern California? In Northern yeah, it's California. like in the middle of nowhere. It's a casino. Yeah, it's a casino. Yeah, it was the Gold Country Casino. That is what it is. Yeah, which oh. by the way, the the hotel itself is gorgeous. The bathrooms in that hotel were enormous. You had like a full size hot tub in every room. Really, wow. it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Great to be in a hotel room with a, a <laughs> giant bathtub with Monty Hoffman. <laughs> you, you were in the same room? We had the same See, room. See, I went with Muratori. We got separate rooms. Oh, fuck you, but, Matt. Yeah. I remember I once did a show in the Catskills uh, at, a, at, a, at, a bungalow, at a bungalow colony, which is mm-hmm. a, a couple of levels below a hotel where <laughs> Jews from the city would, would come out in the summer and they spend the... Two months in a in a bungalow community in the country, and uh, everybody, of course, knows each other. It's a little community that they have every every year. And I remember I got a gig at this uh, at a show at a bungalow colony, and the woman who introduced me she begins her introduction by saying, "As you all know, my my father passed away last week." <laughs> Unexpectedly, I wanted to thank everyone for your outpouring of support <laughs> for my father. It was so unexpected that he died. I loved him so much. And now I'd like to introduce a comedian <laughs> from the city. Come, please, wel- please welcome Barry Diamond. <laughs> and I swear to God, I remember, I remember standing in the back of the room and, and just saying to myself out loud, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe that, this, is, that, this is my introduction. Basically, that exact thing happened to me. I did the National Indian Gaming Association convention, and they have like this tribute to all the Indians that had died in the last year, the members of their organization. Yeah. They're showing their photos. This woman comes out. She sings Amazing Grace while these photos are up on the screen. And then the guy comes out and is like, I know. We have comedians. <laughs> and that was my intro. Then I just had to walk out and be like, hey, everybody, how you doing tonight? It was yeah. like, I just ate a dick for 10 minutes, and then I brought up the guy who was headlining. Uh, it was just brutal. My, my Native I got American paid, name is uh, Eating Dick with Red Hair. Yes. Well, then I, I got paid $100, and then I went to an Indian casino, and I lost my $100 in like 10 minutes. Great. <laughs> so it was Nailed it. Yeah, the Lord, horrible. The Lord giveth and taketh away. <laughs> Uh, I got another uh, quick question for you. Oh, by the way. I can't uh, lend you any money if that's oh, the question. damn it, Barry. <laughs> I knew uh, you were going to ask to borrow money. In uh, in uh, Bud Friedman's new book that he just put out about the improv. I didn't know he wrote improv. a book. He did? Yeah. It's a, it's a terrific book about the club. And in the book, and it's got quotes and stories from different people and stuff. But for the most part, it's it's him writing. Uh-huh. In, the, in the story, he said that, and this is uh, I almost exactly verbatim. He said, I will never never forgive jimmy walker for tr- being a traitor and trading from being an improv performer to, go to, to the performing comedy store. at this comedy store because once he was at the comedy store yeah then he then bud opened the improv in la and then was like come on over i gave you your start uh, at in in new york and uh, and Jimmy was like, no, I'm going to stay at the. I th- at the, I, the I thought store. I thought Jimmy was one of the investors in the com- he, in, in he the improv. Was. He in the, was in the and he was he and he says even though he was an investor, he would not <laughs> perform at our club because because uh, Mitzi, Mitzi would not made it like a, yeah. like a thing like you couldn't do both. Uh-huh. So, yeah, well that was it, that was the thing. Did you perform? Did like I I mean I've seen your name on the on the building at the comedy store. Like what what oh. was what was she like? What was it? Wh- who was in your class of people at that time? And oh man, I know it's a man, lot. But. Every every everybody when I when I came out here, yeah, <coughs> I came out here in September '78, 
and the improv was just trying to get started. And actually, they had a fire. They had a fire at the improv. They closed down most of the club, and they kept open a small portion of it just to try mm-hmm. to do shows in there. It was so horrible. Uh, but I came out here, uh, you know, from the improv, from the improv in New York. Yeah. And, of course, I expected to go on at the improv out here in L.A., but the place really to get on at that time was the comedy store because yeah. everybody, mm-hmm. everybody was on it. That was, that was the mecca uh, back back then. Yeah. And uh, I remember going over to the comedy store and uh, you had to get on there. I was I was working both places. I was working the comedy store and the improv. So that's with like Jay Leno and Dave Letterman and Yeah, like but, but very, very few people did they allow to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so stupid, so <laughs> petty. Yeah. It was so petty. Yeah. Uh, you know, that they had, you know, if you work here, you can't work there. And if you didn't, you know, have any juice, you know, you had to make a decision. I'm going to work at the improv or I'm going to work at the comedy store. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who who just worked at one club and didn't work at, at, uh, at, at the other club. Was that more of something coming from Mitzi or was it coming from Bud? You know, it was, it was coming from both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it it, it 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 came it came from both they were they were both they were both resentful of comics working at the other club and in the sa- and and at the same time both both of the clubs contributed to the overwhelming success of both of the clubs yeah yeah because in mm-hmm. new york catch rising star bud said that catch rising same star, thing in catch that him and the owner of catch even though they were uh, they, there was some playful rivalry they were friends they did like yeah the they, owners yeah. were friends yeah. and they would share if someone fell out of one they would send someone from the right. other yeah it was okay but yeah. here there was definitely a, a some more rivalry there was it was a bigger deal Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But they did get along better in, in New York at Catch Rising Star. Rick Newman, Rick Newman owned Catch Rising Star, and Bud Friedman and his wife Silver owned the Improv. And uh, the comics used to go uh, back and forth across town on a on a Friday and Saturday night, even oh, yeah. during the week, to do uh, to do both clubs because there wasn't mm-hmm. you know there weren't millions of comedians. Yeah. yeah. Back in the in the in the nineteen seventies. When yeah. did you meet Robert Townsend? Because you've done quite a bit of work with him over the years. I met him at the, at the Improv mm-hmm. here in here in L.A. and uh, he was he he and I were very very good friends and and big fans of each other. He was yeah. a great guy. He was, he was such a such such a nice guy, so talented. Yeah, I think he's on the same. Uh, young comedian special with Kinnison and Roseanne. I think is the one that he's on. Jeez, uh, Kinnison and 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 Roseanne are on the same special. Was that Rodney I think Dace? so. Either, either that Rodney, or Rodney Roseanne's either on the one with Kinnison or she's on the one with Dice. And I can't remember which one. And it might even be the same one with those two. I've got the box set of them, and I I oh. mix them all up. The, but those are the Rodney Dangerfield hosted ones. Do you know who did the first one? The first HBO special. Who? Well, the first HBO special ever was Robert Klein, right? No, it's uh, Freddie Prinze. Oh, Freddie Prinze. Okay, really? It's Freddie Freddie Prinze and Friends. Did you know him, him? Freddie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, but he uh, he absolutely uh, uh, was the the, the 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 reason why I started doing stand up comedy. 
mm-hmm. because we we looked very very much alike. Really? He he grew up in the Bronx. I grew up in the Bronx. And after I graduated from college in Alabama, I was selling life insurance in Montgomery, Alabama. And I saw Freddie Prinze's first Tonight Show with Sammy Davis Jr. sitting on the panel. <laughs> and Freddie came out and destroyed the place. And Johnny brought him over to the to the to the panel. And you you know, right then and there, yeah. your, your career your career is made. Yeah. yeah. And I'm watching Freddie, and he, you know, he's he was Puerto Rican, half Puerto Rican, half Hungarian, and uh, he's from he's from Washington Heights, which is a predominantly Spanish neighborhood, and he's doing all these Spanish accents and stuff on, in his act, which I did, yeah, because I grew up in that same that same neighborhood basically, and uh, I remember watching him and watching his his success on that show. And I said to myself, I said, if this guy can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I made a conscious decision. I was going to go back to New York and I was going to go to go to the clubs, go to the go to go. To, I knew I knew where to go. I knew the improv uh, and catch a rising star. And, and I made a decision. I'm going to move back to New York and do this. And that's what I did. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, when before we wrap things up, I have to ask you about doing the Tonight Show because mm-hmm. it's a. I mean, it's like the, the the pinnacle for so many comedians. Well, I did it with the, Johnny Carson. Oh yeah. my god! That's when it, that's when it was the pinnacle. Instead of now, when it's yeah, yeah. get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. Well, back in back in the day when I did it, that was that there was only the Tonight Show. If you wanted to be a successful comedian, mm-hmm. the, you had to go through the Tonight Show. Unlike today, where there's so many other different uh, routes that you could take uh, with so many different uh, media platforms uh, that, right. that that can possibly launch a career uh, for for decades, mm-hmm. the only way a comedian could 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 become a celebrity was to go through the Tonight Show. You had to yeah. go through the Tonight Show. So every everybody was just. You know, trying to put together, you know, five minutes set, a tight five minutes to uh, to to get on the Tonight Show. Because if if you did well, you know, and they brought you back, and uh, you've got a career. Yeah, so that's it. Then you get to go and do the thing. But there was nothing else. I mean, there were you know there were smaller shows. There there was there was a lot more variety back mm-hmm. then. Uh, there wasn't ca- there wasn't really cable was just in its infancy back then uh there was so much less variety of of uh of of entertainment today today it's just overwhelming it's, well like uh, what i'd love you to do if you don't mind is it, i can't lend you any money if that's the, the next thing that's going to come out of your mouth if it's possible for you to walk us through as much of that the the first time that you did the tonight show if you can walk us through the process of like you you know putting together the 5 minutes like when did you find out you were going to get to go on because, here's why that. is yeah. because i just rewatched comedian jerry seinfeld's documentary that they oh, yeah. that they yeah. have on netflix yeah. which I, I don't know if you have you ever seen it yeah i've seen it yeah uh, and most of that is about you know him putting together time to go and do uh, the Tonight Show and or do uh, Letterman. Letterman, and then Orny Adams also mm-hmm. doing the same thing and watching these two people trying to perfect it, and it, it was so completely different. The two, the way that 
that Seinfeld handled trying to to do it and the way that Orny handled trying trying to do it were so different. I just kind of wanted to hear like how you did it. Um, actually, um, I used I used to do this piece of material that I did in a show called the National Lampoon Show. It was called The Comedian, and it was written by uh, by Brian Doyle Murray by oh, Bill yeah. by Bill Murray's brother. Yeah. Um, and it's this long, convoluted monologue that a comedian, uh, it's a presentation piece. And they say, please welcome, please welcome the comedian. And I come out like a, like in a tuxedo and uh, the bit goes, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. You're beautiful. Thank you. A man walks into a nightclub with a beautiful girl on his arm. The show begins and the comedian comes out for his first show of the evening comedian says a man walks into a nightclub with a beautiful girl on his arm the show begins comedian comes out for his second show of the evening comedian says a man walks into a nightclub with a beautiful girl on his arm the man in the front row says just a minute i think i heard this before comedian says well maybe you caught my first show of the evening the man says no i just walked in here well, it could have been you. A guy looked just like you, walked into the nightclub with a beautiful girl on his arm. It could have been your twin brother. The man says, my twin brother's dead. The comedian says, what is this, awake? The man says, I don't have to stand for this. And he stands up and he walks out of the nightclub out onto the sidewalk. Comedian says, are you out there? I can hear you breathing. The man says, I'm holding my breath. Comedian says, well, I'm holding your wife. Just then, a man comes walking back into the nightclub with another beautiful girl on his arm. Comedian says, who is this beautiful girl I'm seeing you with? The man says, this is my wife, and that's my dead twin brother's wife. You can take her if you want. Comedian says, not unless you say please. Just then, a man comes riding into the nightclub on a pony with a feather in his hat. Comedian says, what do you call that? He says, an entrance. But forget about that, he says, and give my pony a jockey. Well, the bartender says, I think your pony's had enough already. He says, well, then make it a short jockey. And while you're at it, give that lady's lawyer some briefs. Well, the lady stands up. I'm defending myself, Your Honor. The lawyer stands up. I'm defending her honor, Your Honor. The judge says, honor or offer, make up your mind. The comedian says, honor, it's the best offer I've had all day. Take it or leave it. He says, couldn't we just drop it? He says, you got to drop leaflets before you bomb. The comedian says, I'm already bombing. He says, well, maybe it's your material. The comedian says, you don't think it fits? He says, well, it could be let out a little bit. He says, how much will it cost? He says, it'll cost you an arm and a leg. He says, could you put it on the cuff? He says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just charge you the arm. I'll forget about the leg. He <laughs> says, all right, and he cuts off the comedian's arm, and a beautiful arm it is, and he gives him the suit. Taylor calls his girlfriend to go out for a night on the town. He calls her and he brings her the beautiful arm as a gift. She wears it around her neck like a stole and they go out for a night on the town. Man walks into a nightclub with a beautiful arm on his girl. A one-armed comedian comes out for his last show of the evening and the audience gives him a hand. There we go. I cannot believe I remember that. Wow. I cannot believe I, I, cannot believe I remember oh that. Oh, my God. I, that is unbelievable. So, so, yeah. so Brian Doyle Murray wrote that, <laughs> and I performed that in the National Lampoon Show. Oh, my God. I, and and, and uh, uh, Jim McCauley, who was the talent director for The Tonight Show, saw me do that, 
And he said, Johnny would love that. He says, you got to do mm-hmm. that for Johnny. And Bud Friedman was my manager. He was managing me oh back God. then. And uh, uh, Bud knew Brian. Uh, and he said, I'll, I'll get... I'll talk to Brian. I'll I'll get it approved so he could do it on the Tonight Show. And unfortunately, Bud never never did it. He he never never did it. And uh, and then uh, I finally lost my appetite for doing it because I didn't write it mm-hmm. in the first place, and I wanted to do something that I wrote. So I presented Macaulay with something else that I had done, and he approved that, and I I I did that. Um, wow. But that's how I got it. He wanted me to do something else that Brian Doyle Murray had written, <laughs> which was a brilliant piece. It's a yeah. great I, piece. I swear to God, I, I have not done that in, in so many years. Oh, my God. I, I, I can't, flawless, I, I man. Can't, I can't believe I remembered it. Yeah, because it's like... That's amazing. You hardly have time to take a breath when you're doing that. It's just like yeah, it's stream re- of consciousness. It's, it's, just, it's just relentless. Yeah. It's just, it's just relentless. And there's and, so much good wordplay in that oh, kind of bit. That's it's that's so great. Good. Yeah, it's yeah, so it's, good. it's 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 yeah. a brilliant piece. Did he write that for you to do? No, no, he, he wrote was... he wrote it for him. He mm-hmm. d- he did it. He he did it in the National Lampoon show, mm-hmm. and they kept the material. And uh, most of the cast of the National Lampoon show went into the original Saturday Night Live. Yeah, right. Uh, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase. Uh, Brian Doyle Murray, mm-hmm. um, Belushi, Gilda, uh, they were all, all in, they all came out of the National mm-hmm. Lampoon show. Wow. And then when when uh, the cast moved from the National Lampoon over to, to uh, Saturday Night Live, they did a, a traveling bus and truck show around the country that I did with, I did it with Meatloaf. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> with Meatloaf and Jim Steinman, oh Jim God. Steinman wow. who, who wrote uh, "Bad Out of Hell," yeah, who, who yeah. Wrote, wrote the album for, uh, and uh, that was that was a trip being on the road with those guys. Wow, it was a lot of fun though. That's amazing, man. Yeah. You've got so then, such fucking great stories. So you get, you get the Tonight Show. They tell you, okay, finally, you've, you've got your regular material. We approve this. We want you to do it for Johnny. So, what is that day like when you like know? I'm probably going to be a household name tomorrow. Like, what is that feeling got to be? Uh, well, you know, I knew I knew it was the biggest opportunity that I've had that thus far in my life, and to say it's not nerve-wracking, even though you're confident yeah. in what you're doing, you've done it hundreds of times. When you walk out on that on that Tonight Show set, and it's brightly lit unlike a comedy club, which is dark and mm-hmm. intimate, and you've got all these lights on you, uh, and you're, you're just not used to working in that, in that much light and that kind of vulnerable exposure when you know, you're, 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 you're out there vulnerable under the, under the spotlight in front of a live audience, right. mm-hmm. and you know that it's going out to millions and millions of people that are watching this. Uh, so it's something that you really have to uh, have to adapt ad- adapt to because yeah, the nerves have to really kick in there, and that's got to be at that point. Like you know, if you're doing a show, I mean, we've, I've done this 15 years. Stevens done it about 14 years, I think. Stand up, it's like I don't get nervous for shows anymore. Right. But a show like that, I Absol- imagine, it just got to really just all of a sudden a feeling you haven't had in a long time. Yeah. That you have to press through. Yeah, you you can't. I couldn't imagine not being nervous. 
You know, the, one of the reasons that Matt is my is a, <laughs> such a good friend of mine is uh, he owes you money. He does. <laughs> he does owe me some money. Is uh, the first time I ever taped anything that was like uh, going to be aired anywhere, like a stand-up thing. It was for Hulu, and mm-hmm. Matt came to the taping, and I was about to go on stage in front of you know in front of all these cameras, and I was very, 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 very nervous. And I said to him, uh, I'm, so, I'm so fucking nervous. And he went, uh, just remember this. No matter how good a performance you do, your father will still not love you. <laughs> <laughs> and it like took it all away. It took uh, all the nerves out of me. And I was like, you're fucking right. And then I went and, and then I went and had a great set. Yeah. But it was like it was like the first time where I was like, oh, it. It may be a good idea to have an, an <laughs> asshole friend because you know that that could uh, that can help because the the fucking nerves. He still doesn't. I still yeah. He still doesn't. No. Yeah. No no. But I I get nervous for fun. I get nervous yeah. for everything. I yeah. get nervous for every almost every set that I do. And if I'm not nervous before a show, I then I feel like something's not gonna it's not gonna be good. Yeah, like like I, I, I might I, get a, a tiny bit of nerves if it's like like. When I, because I don't often get spots at the improv, right? So like I got to do a spot because some comic dropped out and I just happened to be at the club. They're like, hey, you want to go on like right now? And that's the thing where you're like, okay, I haven't had time to even think about what I'm going to do. It's like, oh, in 30 seconds, I'm on stage telling jokes. I was a little nervous for that one just because it was like, all right, let's see how much on autopilot I can really do this thing. And it was great. But yeah. um, that's the kind of thing where I get a little nervous of that. But if I have time to repair, like I don't care anymore. Wow. But but also I'm not doing the Tonight Show, which is yeah, next I can, level. I can, only, I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, and with Johnny of all fucking people. Yeah. yeah. So did yeah. you do it multiple times after that? Or how did, I, what happened after I that? Did, I did two, t- two Tonight Shows. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of them were great. The first, the first one was good enough to get me back on the second time, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I just I, the sec, the second time I just uh, it wasn't, it wasn't as, it wasn't as good as the first time, and it had to be better, mm-hmm. better than the first time. But I did it twice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember it's like, amazing. I think it was we talked awesome. to Tom Dreesen, and he talked about because like, he did that show like forty oh, yeah, times, or whatever. He, it's like, he, and he was like. He's like, I don't have any more jokes to tell. He's like, what am I? He's like, he had the Tonight Show booked and it was like a week before. And he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do on the show because I've burned every bit of material I have on the Tonight Show already. So it's like, Jesus. Yeah, when did, you get that did, many, it's crazy. A lot, of, a lot of Tonight Shows. Yeah, he was he like. He used to open for Sinatra. Yeah. 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 yeah he's a he's an interesting uh, character too, for sure. Have, uh, you, have you had him on the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he's yeah. got some. He's got some amazing stories. Yeah, he does. He's an he is an interesting fellow. We've oh, had yeah. him. Who else? Uh, Whether Alan Stevens. Alan Stevens. Good stuff to talk Oy about. Vey. Yeah. yeah, that guy is a trip <laughs> and a half. Yeah. Well, we we did a show with him once at the at the Improv, and uh, and he said uh, he was like third on the lineup, and he goes. Uh, we he hit like tw- he was supposed to do fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and he hit twenty. We got to twenty, and he goes, "Who's on the show next?" And we go, "Uh, next up is this guy." And he goes, it's a "Random comment." You know what? I'm staying up here. I'm having too good a time. <laughs> Kept going, and then like five minutes later, we were like flashing him the light, and he was like, "Uh huh, I get it." Uh, who is it? 
no, 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 I'm staying. And he was like, <laughs> just was fucking with us. And then finally he got off. But he was like, but he he's was still, just. He's still on. Yeah, he's, he's still, still on, on right now. We can't he's get still him doing stand up. He's very funny and very mean. Uh, but I love that yeah. guy. He's great. Yeah. Uh, do you have uh, social media? Do you do you do the Twitter and the Instagram and the, that uh, stuff? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, at at uh, the real Barry Diamond. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, audience, uh, go follow uh, Barry Diamond on the uh, on the shows, and then uh, and, uh, I, have we'll... a web, I have a website, BarryDiamond.com. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, and uh, if if you have any, do you have anything, any shows that are coming up right now? Anything? I'm doing a show tomorrow night in, uh, in Indio. Nice. Uh, at a place called Trilogy. Oh, very mm-hmm. cool. In, well, in we'll India. if you're down to come do some shows with us, we'll uh, we'll get you on. I, absolutely, absolutely for sure. Terrific, yeah. Yeah. terrific stuff. Stay in, stay in touch. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> I won't, <laughs> Mister Diamond. I will. Stop I will not to borrow money from me. Oh, for God, God's sake. Are worst. you sure it's the real Barry Diamond on Twitter? Well, well you know what? we're going to tag. Right. We we're going to tag you in all the, yeah, in all the stuff. It. We got it, uh, Matt. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find links to everything at funnymat.com, or if you're a former San Francisco Giants pitcher, you can let me know that you don't appreciate me making fun of you at mattwalkersucks.com. Yeah, people, happened this week. That people got very upset with you this yeah. week. Uh, you can always get me at Stephen Glickman, S-T-P-H-E-N, Glickman, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nighttime Show podcast and comment, and uh, and let us know uh, you know uh, how much you love us, because we love you. Uh, Barry... Steve, thank you Steve, for doing this. Thank you, darling. Next year in Israel. Next year in, in the Jeru- Holy Land. In Jerusalem, sweetheart. <laughs> okay? You, you dress warm because it may be cold. I may need to leave my coat with you. Oh, for sure. Oh, stand up.